Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined by Adrian Martini. Hello, Adrian. How are you, Sarah? I am good. I am good. So talk to me. We have not talked uh, needlework projects lately. Right. Is that what we both are, that we're needleworkers? Would you say? Uh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what you knitting these days? I am knitting. Um, I knitted a necklace, a beaded oh. necklace. Ooh, because it's very pretty. It is very pretty. I'll send you a picture. Um, oh, good. Because I had a, a kit for it, and I was just between projects and I thought oh well this won't take long I'll just go ahead and do this so um and it didn't it didn't take very long uh because my neck's you know not that big so it (laughs) shouldn't take that long um and I'm working on a sweater for my daughter and I now have the back and the front done and I've started the first sleeve so unfortunately she has two arms so I'll have to knit two of them um did she choose the pattern or or did you she did. She did. Um, and she also chose the color and she's going through a, um, she's decided that her aesthetic, her word, mm-hmm. is black, gray, and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's that phase. Um, uh-huh. And so the sweater is gray. Okay. But it's a nice uh-huh. gray. I, you know, I'm enjoying it. But given that, you know, we're dealing with gray weather and the gray sweater and oh, ugh, it's, a, it's a it's thing a lot. that. I so you know I live here in a city that um, has a lot of green, but it's also a lot of gray. And yes. um, I, I'm, I'll go shopping, and you know, it, gray is a predominant color in fashion. And so I'm like, no, I do not need another gray right. sweater. Do not need right. another gray right. sweater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I'll put on like running gear, and I'm like, fluorescent orange. That'll be great right now. I'll take it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So you saying? So you what are you were, needle pointing? Yeah, oh. you saying you are you are between projects. I'm totally between projects. I think I have lamented on. Uh, the podcast that I did not plan out my projects very well because I finished up a pillow that I'd been working on for probably close to two years off and on. I don't typically need a point in the summer um, uh, for my best friend who lives in Brooklyn. And uh, so I finished that up quicker than I thought. And then I didn't have a, canvas waiting to start on because I'm a one I'm right. a very loyal needle pointer I work on one at a time and so then both the the two that I wanted to do they were both back ordered and I finally settled on one of them because they said oh we can get to you by February 1st well it is February 8th and they do oh. not have it oh. to me yet oh yeah mm-hmm. so uh idle hands um have been uh, at work here not in Portland. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it's a bummer. So I'm, I keep waiting for a call from the needlepoint store to tell me that it's in and right. get to go pick fibers. And I love doing that. And, um, yeah. You could just yeah, go so. sit in the middle of the store and just, you know, wait <laughs> yeah. for it to come. Right, right. So we went in, um, uh, had to drop off the canvas that I'd finished with the fabric and the trim for because you take it to, back to them and they finish it. You know, they turn it right. into a pillow um because it's not even even if it was just as simple as sewing around the edges i couldn't do that anyway but it also you have to, you have to pull it taut and it's it's, it's yeah complex. there's a whole process so, yeah, yeah yeah so i walk in and they were having and i love this store i just love it and they but they were having a luncheon for a lot of the ladies and um i will say i suddenly felt like a spring chicken when i walked in there and um right, phoebe looked right. at me and she goes are you the youngest needle pointer in all of portland <laughs> Like, yeah, I think so. I think so. Maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, I haven't taken a poll, but yeah. yeah. 
yeah. So, um, so, but you, uh, you there, I hear mention of a 10 K in your life. I just, I decided I really wanted to do a really fast 10 mm-hmm. K since I feel like I still have some fitness left over from the mm-hmm. marathon. I can um, relate to, I can relate I to that. Not. That's why I did my I, fast 10 K last summer. Yeah. Right. I think you had yours closer together, but I still think, you know, I'm yeah. still doing okay. <laughs> um, and so let's see. So I was initially going to do the cherry blossom 10 miler, but just logistically, it was not going to work out in any way that meant that I got a full night's sleep for like a week and a half. Oh, that does. Uh, and I decided, uh-huh. I just decided I, I'm far too old to do that anymore. <laughs> so, um, maybe in college, but I yeah. not anymore. Um, so I found a 10 K um, in Rhode okay. Island, in, near mm-hmm. Newport, um, the following weekend, which also just happens to be my nice. birthday. So mark, mark your calendars, ladies. Uh. <laughs> I know, mark your calendars, <laughs> April 7th. Everybody, you know, wish me a happy birthday. Um, it's not like one of the big exciting birthdays. It's just a regular old birthday. But still. But, yeah. uh, yep. still. So found a really nice hotel. Going to mm-hmm. treat myself. Um and I think a couple other mother runners are coming down. And if anybody else wants to join us, they are more what's than the, welcome. What's the name of the race? Uh, I can. S- well, that's the hard part because right this oh. second I can't remember what it is. Uh- <laughs> it's so important to me. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> so important. Well, no, it's it's got a five k, ten k, and then a half. Okay. Um, but it goes right on the water, and it's in like the Massachusetts Nature Reserve or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's one of the, you know, English versions of the Native American name of that particular stretch <laughs> okay. of water. So, um, I can't remember what it is. It starts with an S though. Uh, and if you email me, I will tell you what or, it or is. Or tweet at you. Yeah. At Martini Made. Uh-huh, or yeah. tweet at me. Yes. I will let you know. Um, so I am, I started really training for that. Um, this week, after we finish talking, I actually have to go out and do an interval uh-huh. run, which I'm not looking forward to, but I'm going mm-hmm. to do it anyway because that's that's what, you know, it's, it's what a mother runner's got to do. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. you got to do. Um, so yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that, and then the half marathon in Pittsburgh, uh, first weekend in yeah. May. We so so. so um, y- I sent you the the hat that we're doing for Pittsburgh, and I sent you last right. night uh, the mock-ups of the T-shirt that we're doing. And yes. oh my gosh, I'm just so in love with all that stuff. So um, I know, yeah, I and too. it's gonna be a big party. So um, yeah, yeah, Dim will be there, and and MK and uh, Amanda Loudon, the, um, co-host as well as a Train Like a Mother Club coach, and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, Dim is. She and I were talking last week about a um, party that she'll be scheduling probably Saturday afternoon that weekend. Oh, great. So, I don't know. You'll probably be tied to the booth, oh, tied to the another Mother Runner booth. So, yeah. you know, she'll be chained. I don't know if we'll let you yeah. out of your shackles, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Somebody could bring me, like, a cupcake or something. That'd be nice. <laughs> An appetizer, a little crudite, yeah. you know. Oh. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. I have to say, I have a friend here who I used to work with, and um, I one time said the word crudite, and she looked at me kind of funny, and she said, is that word that you just said, does it look like crudite? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> she goes, I always yep. wondered how to say it. <laughs> yep. And then another time. Well, I... Uh, Go ahead. I was about to say, when I went to uh, college, uh-huh. 
this was back before Northwestern PA knew anything about Mexican food. Uh, and you'd call the cafeteria line to find out what dinner was that night. Oh, my gosh. And it always amused me when it was fagitis. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. What, do, does the treatment yes. help? <laughs> yes. What, is there <laughs> a cream an for that? Yeah, an ointment. There, there's definitely an ointment. <laughs> an ointment. Good call. Oh, my gosh. That's what my, my uh, best friend calls them, fagitas. Um <laughs> So oh, good. as a joke, yeah, as a joke, she totally does it as a joke. Yes. Yeah, no, this was legitimate. This was nobody knew how to say this word. So it was fagitis. Nice. Um, nice. A, well, you know, uh, so I have to say, hold on, that um, you learn a lot of um, the the correct, um, you know, Spanish pronunciation of the J because I learned how to say jicama in a line at a college um, cafeteria because I spent a semester at Mills, right. Mills College, which is a women's college in Oakland, California. Oh, yeah. And had yeah. a delicious salad bar and so i was like in love with the i'm like what are these white crunchy vegetables they're fantastic and people were like it's jicama and i'm like it's what and i'm like how do you spell that and then they spelled it for me and i'm a very vis- right. visual person so i envision like j-i-c-a-m-a and i'm like jicama jicama <laughs> like jicama <Yeah. laughs> and i guess you're really supposed okay. to say jicama so uh anyway yeah, well, yeah so i interrupted you what were you about to say about well, I was just about to ask you what your racing running plans were. Oh, my racing run, my racing running plans is to get some energy back in my butt because it has been dragging. Um, and so, just your butt, just, or all you know, of you? Yeah, all of me, all of me. So, um, <laughs> I went to, and I think it might be related to low iron because um, I mm. typically don't donate blood in the winter because I have terrible circulation and uh, and it, I'm a slow bleeder, and it just the two combined makes for um, complications. So. Or at least right. a very slow bleed. So anyway, so I go there. I'm like, okay, you know, I've totally hydrated really well. And, you know, I've got mitt- I've had mittens on all day. So my hands are nice and warm. And um, it didn't even occur to me that I might be low iron. And so they, you know, stick my finger and right. they're like, oh. And, and I said, what? And they're like, you're, you don't, your iron's not high enough. And I said, well, what, what does it need to be? And they're like, 12.5. And I said, well, what is mine? They're like, 11.3. And I was like, oh. And so she said, do you want us to stick the other finger? And I'm like, oh, it's not going to vary. She's like, oh, <laughs> it, it, different? Yeah. she said it has, <laughs> it has sometimes differed enough that they will do it. And so, huh. and I'm like, I'm here, I'm ready. Like, and I, and also I'm, right. I'm B positive, which I love that I'm B positive blood. Um, so, uh, and there's actually a great need for B pot. There's, there's actually a blood shortage right now in the right. USA and that, um, the, there's a particular shortage of B positive blood. So I'm like, I got, I got the goods here. Like I want to give them to you all. And so they stuck the other finger and I was only 0.1 higher on that side. And so I had to go home huh. without donating blood. And I just felt oh. like such a failure. And so I, of course, I'm blaming Phoebe since she made us all be basically vegetarian. And um, so, but I've been trying to, you know, I, I don't eat beef. I haven't eaten beef in more than two decades. But um, so I had a, like a pork, some pork on Sunday. And then uh, I made bone broth from the Run Fast right. Eat Slow um, cookbook. I made that yesterday and it was simmering all day long. And let me tell you, my kitchen smelled good. Um, and, yes. and so then made a very good chicken wild rice, um, soup with the bone broth. And so I'm hoping, yes. and I started taking, we do a, the bone yeah, broth. T- started taking a multivitamin that has iron in it. And so I'm hoping that will do the trick, but as a, I just have been, I mean, like 
I've had to ask Molly, hey, can we walk a little bit? And um, huh. just, and I'm also really kind of creaky. Um, like on Saturday, we, yeah. we ran six miles and I just was, I don't know, too creaky. Let's say it was hard to stand up and get moving again. So, uh, cut back the distance a little on Sunday and went to the gym with Molly instead of running on Monday morning. So I'm going to switch some things up. So that's what yeah. I decided. But also, I don't hmm. know. I, then this morning I ran by myself and I ran without even trying. I ran, I averaged 15 seconds per mile faster than I do with Molly. So I don't know. Maybe Molly's the problem. Uh, Molly, obviously, is the problem. I mean, come on. Um, No, I do think, though, I do find that I get tired talking. So maybe I should make her do all the talking. And because today's run, that was, so I averaged 9.55 instead of like a 10.07 or something. And the 9.55 felt like far easier than the 10.07 usually does. And I think there's just, Hmm. uh, keeping up my end of the conversation just is very demanding for me these days. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, anyway, anyway, let's, let's get to the topic of today's show. It's been banging around my head literally for years, but it was prompted by one of today's guests um, that she finally, a comment she said spurred me to finally schedule this episode. And it's about fitting in running while working non-traditional hours. We're going to talk um, to several women about their working, running, juggling act, including NPR's White House correspondent, Tamara Keith. Before we're joined by our first guest, let's hear the first of numerous voice memos we'll be peppering this podcast with. There are countless shift workers and folks who work unconventional hours, and we want to get advice and insight from as many of them as possible. This first one comes from Shelly in Ottawa, who usually wears running clothes under her nurse garb so she can run straight from work. Hi, Mother Runners. This is Shelly calling from Ottawa, Canada. I'm a mom of two and also a registered nurse. I work uh, two days followed by two night shifts and then four days off. Um, it's a nine-day rotation. I'm full-time. Um, I, The way I train for my runs is I wear my running clothes to work with me. Um, and that way, anytime I'm leaving work, it kind of reminds me that that's my next task is to go for my run. Uh, I run right where I work. I don't come home first. My drive home is about 30 minutes to 45 minutes, depending on the weather. And so if I run directly at work, uh, I basically don't have time to talk myself out of the run. Um, my longer runs are scheduled, um, kind of around my work schedule. So um, I just basically pick the day that I have a couple days off either before or after and do my long run then. Um, Often the long runs are done on my own, unfortunately, because not everyone is a shift worker. Uh, And yeah, so I successfully trained for my first two full marathons last year and I missed maybe a handful of training runs and that was it. Take care. Bye. Our first guest is Susie Saunders, a mother of four who lives in lovely Sonoma County, California, where she is a midwife, and we understand uh, that she just came off of duty. Welcome, Susie. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, Can you start by telling us a a little bit about your family? Your kids' range, age range is huge, from 9 to 28. Right. Clearly, I'm insane. That's the first (laughs) Um, the, the two older ones are actually my bonus children, not biologically mine, but I did raise them. And um, then I had the two other ones just because you thought we would like to parent for the rest of our lives. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, right. As you do. Yeah. The two older ones, uh, one is married with a little baby and the other one is in the military. And then the two younger ones obviously still live at home. 
Huh? You know, we can't kick them out quite yet. They're too too small for that. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. And, and how about your running? How long have you been a runner and what's your motivation for running? Not very long. I started in my mid-40s. Um, yeah, just needed some stress relief, really, and something more regular to keep my, my fitness going. Uh, as hormones sort of shifted and my work hours were crazier, it just felt like a good way to work with that. The problem was I'd never been a runner. I thought I couldn't do it. it I had always felt like my body wasn't the right kind. Um, but once I got started and, and really found my rhythm with it, it has been a complete obsession ever since. Right. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little about your job. Um, you're a midwife, which right. sounds like it should make for a really unpredictable schedule. So how do you mesh that with running and not to mention caring for your family? It, it's a huge challenge. Uh, I think the thing people don't think of, although they think my job is amazing, which it, it is, um, it's extraordinarily uh, drop and go. Like I'm on call, for example, say 24 hours at a time or 48 hours at a time. Mm. Right. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, during that time, I should possibly be in the hospital the whole time, or I could be at home waiting, uh, depending on the circumstances. Uh, but I have to sometimes leave on a heartbeat's notice and, uh, and drive to the hospital. So, um, the tricky part about that is figuring out, okay, if I want to have my long run on whatever day, um, hopefully that's not my call day, A, and B, it's not my post-call day where I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. So right. it's, it's not something that I can, I can predict a little bit in advance because I know my general day's off, but I don't know how tired I'm going to be. Right. So yesterday, for example, I was on call and in the office, so seeing office patients, and I ran over and had a baby at lunch, and then I went back to the office <laughs> and saw some more patients, and then I said, okay, I have another lady having a baby probably in four hours. I'm going to run four miles and then <laughs> run back to the hospital and... Um, and deliver baby. Right. So that's kind of how it works. I was just like, okay, I've got an hour. What can I do with it? Oh my um, gosh. And so did that go as planned? I mean, were you, did she, you know, was she good on her word and didn't have the baby for four hours? <laughs> or like... <laughs> right. That's the problem. You never really know. And so if, for example, if I, I tried to find a little loop right near the hospital so that I could just pop back if I had to, if it was sooner than I expected, which of course happens all the time. Mm. Uh, you know, I use my, uh, I'm an, a hospital-based midwife, so I have nurses to kind of help me out. Say, okay, what's the crystal ball? Is she going to have her baby in an right. hour? <laughs> Is it gonna? And of course, that never works out that well. But um, it's more of a having to really be flexible and be willing to say, okay, I'm going to have to cut it short this time. Um, you know, I, I, I really do hard on my days off, schedule things, um, you know, longer things, things that are really important uh, for training. Um, but again, if I've been up 24 in a row and I have to sleep for a few hours and then do it later than I expected, sometimes it, that happens too. Right. So ha and then there's school, you know, having kids. And yeah. Right. Yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> so have you, have you delivered a baby, you know, just like that you've had to cut a run short and like, you know, been catching this baby as you're like totally still sweaty from your run? Oh, that absolutely. Oh and just gosh. recently I had a family who were, you know, they were super, I've, most of the families I work with, I've worked with for years. I, I've been in the same practice for 17 years. And so many of them are repeat customers, so to speak. Uh -huh. and so um, they knew I was out and about just the close, close by. Uh -huh. and, and of course the baby came sooner than I thought. And I'm, I'm running in uh, all, you know, nasty. And um, 
and I popped my head in. I said, do I have time to change into scrubs? And the grandma's like, no, you get in here. And she's like, we don't care. <laughs> and they're totally taking pictures of me in my tank top and my capri. Right. You know, missing the I didn't even have time to hardly put gloves on. But Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so they're they're very, I mean, my patients are awesome and accommodating. <laughs> I had full uh, Halloween makeup on one time, too. Oh, good. Yeah, that was fun. What, were, what, what costume were you? I was like a Day of the Dead, Sugar Skull. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Yeah. The first face the baby ever sees. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be alarming to be laboring away and look up and see the Day of the Dead skull. <laughs> It's a great birth photograph. I mean, the brand new baby and this crazy woman in makeup. I mean, come on. Oh, my God. You got to make it fun, too. Oh, my God. I tend to, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, there's crazy hours, and, and I'm very, very lucky to have an extremely supportive uh, set of coworkers as well. One of them is a Ironman triathlete, so we kind of, you know, have each other's back for times when we're a little bit nuttier and deeper in training, and, um, Oh, I just, we, I need to get this in real quick on Saturday morning. Can you watch the shop for me, so to speak? Uh-huh. Um, right. So, no, we have each other's uh, interests in mind, too, which I'm so lucky to have that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and so you talk about training. I mean, how, how do you find that it mixes with training? I mean, do you, you, do you have to do a lot of juggling of, the, of, you know, when your long run or your hard runs are? Or, I mean, how do you? Yeah, I haven't. I mean, this is my first year. As a matter of fact, this week I signed up for the... Uh, the marathon training program through you guys. Oh, and, awesome. uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm juggling that already looking at it four weeks ahead going, okay, that day I'm on call. I can't do the eight miles. So what day can I do it? Mm-hmm. You know, sort of getting a little bit of a framework to, uh, to figure out how to, you know, make all that work. Mm-hmm. So actually right now it's a work in progress for the, the bigger training up until now. It's just been, um, Sort of, I've packaged it together and made it up as I've gone. Well, I'm gonna do a half marathon. Uh, okay, I, I think I'm trained. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm okay. Um, I mean, I, I think I stay active enough. I mean, my my job is very physical as well, and uh, cross train a ton. So it'll be very interesting to see how it goes now with a little bit more uh, program. You know, right. a little bit more of a uh, what do you call it? Like um scheduled regimen. Uh, yeah, set up regimen that I need to really tick off, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm one that if you give me a program to follow, I'm going to follow it as, I mean, pretty much 99%. So, um, which is good. It helps me focus on what I need to do. But it is sort of like, okay, instead of long runs being on weekends, which I work a lot of weekends, they have to be during the week when I tend to have my days off. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, and then I can scoot it since both kids are in school. You know, the longer ones, when it's not pouring rain, can be uh, <laughs> during the day. Or at the gym if I really have to. Hey, so we're going to take a break to hear from Jennifer, a mom and Broadway stage manager who occasionally ran from her home in Brooklyn to her job on the Great White Way while training for her first marathon. Hi, my name is Jennifer. I am from Brooklyn, New York. I have an eight-year-old daughter and I am a Broadway stage manager, which means my work hours are evenings and weekends. During the school year, this is great because I can drop my daughter off at school and then go for my run. I do my long runs on Fridays uh, so that Saturdays are my rest day and I can have the morning with my daughter. On Sundays, I tend to get up as early as I can to get my run in before she wakes up so that I can see her as much as possible. 
It got tricky this summer when I was training for my first marathon because, of course, she was home from school, and uh, I would sometimes have to get up very early to get in my long runs, which is only challenging if you consider that I am generally getting home at midnight. So I was doing some of my long runs on five hours of sleep, not ideal. There were a couple of times that I actually also combined my commute into work with my long run. I would ferry in the day before my clothes and anything I would need for the next day. And then uh, rather than taking the train into work, I would do my long run and end up at work and shower there and then start my work day. Uh, Not ideal, but it definitely gave me uh, some different places to run. And I also can run sometimes on a dinner break and Central Park is very close by to my work, which is great as another alternative to squeeze that in when I can. Thanks for asking about non-traditional runners. Have a great day. So Susie, your work must really be incredibly draining, but I also suspect that delivering a baby leaves you on an adrenaline high. Um, do you ever find you have surprisingly peppy runs after working uh, after working and welcoming another baby into the world? That's uh, that's a great question, and I I think yes, I I do um, get so much positive feedback, and I get so much satisfaction out of what I do. And I mean, there are tragedies, of course, and, and things that happen that are not awesome, but uh, for the most part, it's uh, to me the best job in the world, and I have actually dedicated a few runs to women that I've gone through tragedies with and then full circle had healthy babies mm. following and mm-hmm. and that's a super inspirational I put their little names on my back and I'm running for, I'm running for mm. I can't say names because it's a HIPAA yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's just something that I uh, helps to keep me going and um, I know that the, the better shape that I'm in and the more energy I have I'm going to be a better provider I'm going to be more stamina for a long birth, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the long births, do you kind of keep goo packets on you just to... <laughs> Say that again? Oh, for a long birth? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just grab a goo and some noon. And... Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of a hazard with you. I haven't quite figured out how to do that without getting it all over me. Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just accepted that that's what's going to happen. And oh, I yeah. I can't be sticky. It's a... <laughs> Well, then how about you maybe just keep some goo chews in your pocket, you know, of, of your scrubs or a waffle maybe. Just sneak out and eat one of those. Um. I'm very well known around the hospital for looking for food constantly. Like, okay, is there any patient trays that are available? Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know things are bad when. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm a total, you know, uh, all-adventurous eater. If there's food available and it's, you know, 6 p.m. and I haven't eaten, then, you know, I have to get it in when I can sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a bit of a tricky, the nutrition aspect has been a little bit hard for me, although I eat relatively well. Again, it can be sometimes unpredictable. I could go hours without having something that's really, you know, peanut butter and crackers are a huge part of my diet right now, because <laughs> that's what we have in the snack cupboard at the hospital. <laughs> oh you know, my goodness. And it's a little tricky. Yeah. So any, th- any other things that you find help get get you through i mean do you keep you know do you feel that you need protein because you're working for so long or you know any other tips yeah i i find that i just have to really eat more than i you know i'm constantly hungry really (laughs) and uh so i i 
our hospital thankfully has excellent um, options. And then when I'm home, um, cooking, yeah, definitely a lot of protein. And uh, we have, I mean, Northern California is the farmer's market of the okay. universe. So we have fresh produce all year, and it's amazing. And the farmer's market is blocks from my house. So um, really enjoy getting as fresh food as possible. Um, cooking a few meals in advance, because obviously there are times when I'm 20 minutes, and if I can wolf it down, it has to be already made. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So that's the tricky thing I'm a little nervous about with the with the longer training runs is just how to fuel and, and have good nutrition for, you know, 10 or 15 mile jaunt right. on my own. Right. And it's almost all by myself because with my schedule, finding somebody to run with is exceptionally difficult. I've done 95% of my runs on my own. Right. Do you, fi- do you find it, other than the Ironman triathlon, triathlete there at the hospital, do you find that there's other people maybe who keep similar schedules that you could partner with them to go running or that doesn't happen? What I've done so far is there's a local running store that has a few group runs every week mm-hmm. and uh, I try to hit those. I know a few of those folks. Um, they're not typically very long, but they're, they're great shorter ones and, and um, good energy. Uh, I kind of just put the word out and say, hey, if anybody's available and can do Thursday at three, some random time, right. uh, you know, come and hop on with me. That'd be great. But honestly, it's really challenging. And I've done, like I said, 95 to 98% on my own, which is okay. It's, I mean, it's, it's worked so far. Right, uh, right. It's nice when I have a friend because then we're, I'm distracted and I, you know how it is. You're done and you're like, oh, did we just run eight miles? Right. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I run with a friend of mine who's an OB nurse. Um, mm-hmm. So she has a wacky schedule too. Um, so sometimes she'll be coming off her shift and I'll just be getting up and yeah. we're able to meet up then. Um, yeah, we had, yeah a group that, uh, we had a group last year, uh, did Ragnar and we were all kind of healthcare people. And so we did a few things together, but getting 12 people with healthcare schedules together oh, was yeah. really challenging. <laughs> <laughs> but this six or that four or this five, you know, um, it was fun. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. So I bet you all were then exceptionally good at, at like, it doesn't matter. I only slept two hours. I'm good. I'm going running. Right. It's fine. <laughs> right. right. It's 2 a.m. I'm used to this. Do this. Yeah. I got it. 24 hours. I could do that, you know, in my sleep. Which right. I do right. You probably were telling everybody else on the, on the relay, being like, what are you griping about this? This is my life, people. Good thing to about not sleeping. That's, that's a normal thing. And think that's a problem. <laughs> right, right. So, you uh, know, I have to ask, uh, you've seen a lot of births and, and so many people compare, you know, running a marathon to giving birth and, um, or, you know, being on a long training run and equ- equating it to giving birth. Do you think that those, those, uh, you know, metaphors or similes are accurate or no? I, I mean, I think people go in with the image of the media and birth as you, you know, you rush in the hospital and you huff and puff down the hall and the baby's out. And it never works like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I try to talk with my mom, my patients, about how it's more of, yeah, it's a, it, you have to pace yourself. You have to, it's little bit by little bit, and you have to conserve your energy. And, and it's, it's very much a similar feeling as a marathon. You just have to really, and I'll even use terms like, oh, my gosh, you're almost there. You're, you've gone this far. You're almost at the finish, which, mm-hmm. of course, we all hate to hear in an actual race. But, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a birth yeah, you're right there. You can do this. You've gone this you've nine months and 12 hours. And now we're almost. Right. <laughs> um, you absolutely, it's ex- 
extremely physically taxing, obviously, and um, you know you need support. You need your women around you. You need your little tribe to help you yeah. get through this process. And it's, so it's a very similar feel. You know, even the people who have nothing to do with the racing or the running world, they get the metaphors. You know. Yeah. Nutrition. They have to eat. You know, people right. who used to you know, the hospitals that used to starve people was so silly because how are you supposed to push a baby out if you haven't eaten in 12 hours it's ridiculous oh i right? know oh that's yeah. how my first one they the hospital believed in not letting you eat and yeah. oh my gosh i was ready to eat my own arm by the end of it <laughs> give me that baby it looks tasty yeah i know exactly <laughs> I, know. So, ooh, I could stand a little snack yeah it has so much healthy brown fat on it give it here <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right, Susie. Well, we will let you get on home and get some sleep, but uh, thanks for chatting with us. Oh, thank you so much. Here's a voice memo from Karina, a pediatric nurse who says planning is so important. A good reminder no matter what your work schedule. Hello, Mother Runners. My name is Karina. I'm from San Diego, and I'm a pediatric nurse. I work full-time, three 12-hour shifts a week, and I also have three daughters, seventh grade, fourth grade, and second grade. One of the ways that I keep up with my running while working nights is I often like to run when I wake up um, in the afternoon from sleeping all day after working the night before. I find it's a great way to kind of get me going and help me wake up, um, not feel so sluggish, and I'm ready to go to back to work the next night or just to do homework and dinner and bedtime stuff with my kids. And it helps me keep my miles up as well. Those runs are usually just a couple miles. They're easy. I listen to my body, um, but it's just a great way to get me going, um, even though I've slept all day and my body and my clock are a little bit off. I sit down at the beginning of each week to plan out what I'm going to run because it kind of changes depending on my schedule and my kids' schedule. Um, during the week when I'm off in the morning, I try to be ready to run as soon as I drop my kids off from school. They start school pretty early, so I don't get up before them to run, but I always try and run right after I drop them off. Uh, the dog is in the car, and we're ready to go wherever we're going to run or hike that day. My um, long runs I have to be flexible with, and sometimes they're during the week, sometimes they're on the weekend. It just depends, again, on what my schedule is, and so that's why planning is so important for me. I actually just got off work and I'm going to sleep right now. And then when I wake up in six or seven hours, I'm going to run at least a few miles and then come home and be ready to go back to work again tomorrow night. Happy running. Our next guest is the mother runner who spurred me to do this episode. Lisa Reek is a new mom who I met at the Twin Cities Marathon Expo last fall. She's a Midwestern dairy farmer. In a follow-up email, Lisa wrote, Every mom must deal with schedule struggles, but I think working nights, weekends, or traveling a lot can present unique challenges. And I agree. So thanks for helping make this episode happen, Lisa. Thank you so much. I am really excited to be here with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. So remind me how old your son is. I remember him wearing those cute little Saucony kicks when we met. Um, so uh, how how old is he now? And, and remind me where your farm is. Sure, definitely. So my son is just a little over 10 months now. And I think it's a super fun age. But honestly, I think that every new stage he reaches is, is fun. <laughs> and then um, uh, my husband and I dairy farm with his family in central Minnesota. 
Okay. Oh. All right. So I imagine dairy farming is pretty much a, an every day of the year kind of job. Can you walk us through what a typical day is like? Um, sure. You know, our our schedule varies a little bit, um, definitely based on seasons of the year and things, but I will I will try to give you my best approximation of a typical day. So we have got a great crew of employees along with my husband and myself and his family. And so I've got, um, I, I work most closely with the calves myself. I, I help in all areas, but um, at any given point, we probably have about 100 baby calves on milk at our farm. And so I've got a few employees that work with the calves along with me. And so if, if one of them is off, like if my morning calf employee is off, then I will start the day about 5 or 5.30. And if not, then I get there a little more typical. I'll do um, hopefully up maybe 5.30 or 6 if I'm going to run, bring my son to daycare. He he does go to daycare just because we're farmers. Um, doesn't there's There's definitely some farm families that, never send their kids to daycare, and I definitely respect that they're able to juggle that, but with with the size um, and the busyness of our farm, um, he does go to daycare for now, and so mm-hmm. then um, there will be, I'll, I'll check in with my morning employees, see how things are, see how many calves were born for the day. The middle of the day tends to be filled with um, projects, maybe we're vaccinating calves that day, or bedding animals, moving them around. If it's harvest or planting season, um, all bets are off and things might be even a little different <laughs> than that. You know, we're just kind of um, juggling people every which way because we're doing field work and cow work. And then um, in in the evening, I've got to pick up my son about five o'clock from daycare. And most days I go back to the farm after that. My my in-laws might help with, with watching our son some and I'll, I'll finish up a few things, and then maybe by 6.30 to 7.30, we're, we're home for the evening. And I should maybe clarify mm-hmm. that while my in-laws live on the farmhouse at the dairy, my husband and I live in the country a few miles away. And so even though we are farmers, we, do, um, we, we don't have our dairy right outside our, our back door right now. Can I, can I tell you that listening to this, um, so yesterday as we record this was the 150th anniversary of Laura Ingalls' birth, and uh, it just reminds me, it, not to sound stereotypical, but I'm like, I like see Almanza Wilder's like family with the, the farm and the, all the animals, so like when you describe this, I have like Garth Williams like illustrations in my mind, so <laughs> you know, I, I, I realize, I think that's okay. <laughs> I I love I love her with all my heart. So, um, but I also I also realize it's been a lot more automated since the 1800s. Right. Right. <laughs> and I don't think they wear skirts and pinafores as much. Oh, anymore. I, I promise you, but, I don't wear a skirt out in the barn. I'm in boots, <laughs> boots and jeans, or right now heavy heavy duty coveralls because right. it's cold. Uh-huh. What season is the farm in now? What's kind of the well? The, um, so. Given that we're central Minnesota, it is most definitely winter, and we've had right. we've had a pretty mild winter this year. I mean, there's there's been stretches where it's been um, below zero for for a couple days at a time, and like today we were probably five below zero this morning, but yesterday it was twenty five mm-hmm. degrees, and so oh, wow. I mean, there's there's definitely some variability it, during the winter. I feel like normally it's a little bit slower, right? Because we're not actively growing crops or doing hay or any of those kinds of things. But at the same time, if we have a heavy snowfall year, just moving all that snow, keeping the roads clear right. and keeping keeping all of the 
areas around the farmyard clear of snow, that can take a lot of time too. And so mm. we we like to think as as long as the weather's cooperative, winter is a little bit um, of a more scheduled and a little bit slower season. But if if Mother Nature is not kind to us, then sometimes that's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Lisa, in my mind, being a dairy farmer involves something that many 21st century jobs don't, which is physical exertion. How does that factor into your fitness regime? Like, and have you ever been sidelined from running because say you threw your back out, you know, tossing hay or helping with the birth of a calf? That is a very good question. Um, I would say, honestly, I think being able to stay active on the farm is something that I've always rather viewed as a nice compliment to my running. It's it's kind of this built-in cross-training, right? Mm-hmm. And so even if, if, if I have a really long day at the farm and I maybe just don't get up in time for my run the next morning or I, I even have a few weeks where things are just crazy and, and I don't run as much as I want, I feel like I'm still getting a lot of activity. And, and certainly on farms now, you know, we don't have the type of continuous manual labor that you maybe think of as back in... Back in the Laura Ingalls Wilder time, right. there's, there's, there's some, you know, there's computer work, there's office work, there's different record keeping things. But I, I really am out, you know, moving and lifting and spending a lot of time walking, just checking on the different areas. I would say the most, um, the, the closest thing to an injury that I can honestly think of is we do get really cold winters here. And for the first few years that I was full time on my husband's farm, I don't think I had the best boots. I have mm. since invested in much better but I had one toe that I think I frostbit just multiple times. Mm. And so now every single winter, my, my little pinky toe on my left foot, just once once we've had gotten about a month into winter, it just gets really sore and it kind of puffs up. And it I, I won't go into the gory details, but my, <laughs> my husband always jokes that someday I'm going to have to have it amputated. <laughs> and so I, I do not think that is true, but it it just gets very, very um, pesky. And so right. it, it can be uncomfortable to stick that into my running shoes. And right now is the point in the winter that it's kind of calming back down. And again, we've had a mild winter, but that, that frostbit toe is just going to be my my Achilles heel, I think, for the rest of my life. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or Achilles toe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so I imagine your job doesn't involve as much human interaction as a regular, you know, nine to five office job might. Does your schedule permit you to run with a friend or a group or do you have to run solo most of the time? Um, I would say that I, I do run solo most of the time. Probably just I, I live, you know, five, ten minutes from the closest town. I don't have a lot of friends near me that run. And so just the whole process of driving somewhere to meet somebody to run would take up probably what, what my normal chunk of running time actually is. You know, we, we do have a great crew of employees that, that work with us on the dairy. And so I, I definitely get human interaction along with animal interaction. Um, but just the, the nature of being in a more rural area, I think it's harder to find a running buddy that's close by Mm -hmm. enough that you can run with them on, on a consistent basis. So you guys on the podcast often, or, you know, books and music, those are, are the voices that help carry me through a lot of miles. Oh, well, that's nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Thank you. So, and speaking of social interaction running, here's a voice memo from Pam, who is a pastor, who talks about why she misses out on the community aspect of running. Hi, my name is Pam. I'm in Northfield, Minnesota. 
My occupation is I am a Lutheran minister, which means as a mother runner, in addition to um, working around the schedules of my two kids and family, I'm also usually trying to work around the schedules of 500 to 1,500 other people in my congregation. Mostly it means that I tend to work when other people are not working. So Sundays are very fixed work days and a lot of weeknights are booked and many Saturdays are booked with work events. So the hardest thing has been finding running partners and other people I can run with because my best times to run are often when others are at work. Uh, The first time I registered for a half marathon, I trained and I got all ready, and then the weekend of the race, a dear, dear member of our congregation died quite suddenly, and I felt there was no way I could step away from the community and go off six hours away to run a race instead of uh, being with that family. So that's been hard in terms of planning ahead. For day-to-day running, it's fine because I can usually carve out lots of time. I have lots of flexibility, but I often feel like as a mother runner, I miss out on some of those community opportunities and those chances to be with other runners, either at races or in training groups because my schedule is so mismatched. But running is a great, great way for me to keep sane, and it's also probably the place where I do the most work on my sermons for Sunday. I love AMR. Thanks for your work. Bye. So Lisa, because of kind of the more solitary aspect of your running, does the party atmosphere of a race like Twin Cities appeal to you more than you, do you think? Um, I would say, I would say I love all different kinds of races, truly. Some of my favorite, um, there's, there's a small local marathon that's close to me that I've run several times and I, I really love that race. It's the same kind of you know, roll roads and trails that I, that I tend to train on on a regular basis. But yet I, I love the Twin Cities marathon atmosphere as well. I, I have not done the full at Twin Cities. I have run mm-hmm. some of the other races that are part of that weekend, but I, I like both. And it's, it's definitely, um, on my radar to someday travel for a big race. The, the furthest I've done is kind of Minnesota and neighboring States. Um, mm-hmm. at the same time, It seems like whether it's a small race or a large race, if it's a longer race, I often find one or two people and just get engrossed in conversation. And I oftentimes people are curious about what I do, right, because I'm a Mm -hmm. farmer and a lot of people don't necessarily have a direct connection to a lot of people that are farmers. And so it's it's really great just to talk about um, food or animal care or health or just any of those different sorts of topics that, that they might have. And honestly, we usually have hours in which to, to pepper each other <laughs> with questions. And I, I think I've, I've learned a lot from those interactions and I hope that um, I maybe impart a little bit of my, my background to, to the people that I've gotten to run with too. So, okay. Right? So that makes me feel better. So I'm not the only one who sounds like a total, like the city mouse talking to the country mouse. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, yeah, I, I just think that it is so you, you can have such rich conversations with people while you're running a marathon. And people oh, yeah. will look at me like I am an absolute, you know, crazy person if, if they don't run. And I try to tell them that they're like, but, you know, certainly in a marathon, you're at a pace where you, you can be at a conversational level. And I think of, you know, if, um, Gosh, like Sarah, Jill, I, I mean, the, these women, I definitely still remember their first names. And usually they are women that, I mean, there's, there's definitely men that I've also had conversations with while, uh-huh. while doing a long race. But, 
But yeah. Nice. So do you have any tips for kind of rallying for your workout when you've been up at 5 a.m. to handle cows and you'd just really rather curl up somewhere and take a little nap? Oh, well, I would say, you know, half the time I probably rally. And if, if it's really been a crazy day, half the time I might not. And especially with being a new mom, one of the things yeah. that I've really come to realize is that um, running is not going anywhere. I, I hope to do it as a lifelong activity. And so for me, right right now, like I, I'm hoping to do a half marathon in April. It's, it's one that I've done... Um, I think I've done it six years and I missed it last year because my son was just a few weeks old. And so that, that didn't seem like the best well, time. That seems, to like, yeah. that seems like a legitimate excuse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, some, some years I maybe really am following a more specific training plan, but right now I'm just saying, you know what, it's, it's winter. Um, I'm going to try to get out there at least a couple times a week. I'm going to try to build my long run. And so if, if I'm really not feeling it in, you know, early in the morning, I might, just give myself a pass. But then the next day I, I absolutely have to get up. And I, I definitely, um, hear Dimity in my head sometimes saying, don't think, just go. Nice, and nice. I, I, there's, there's no magic, um, formula to finding extra time in your day. And I'm sure that all mother runners would agree with that. And I, I just have to keep in mind what, what my goals are, what, what I want. And sometimes that goal is, you know, spending that extra half an hour playing with my son if it's in the evening. And sometimes in the morning, it really is, I, I need to get on the treadmill or I'm very much looking forward to the weather warming up some more when I can get out with the jogging stroller. Because this, this mm -hmm. fall, my son loved riding in the jogging stroller and that, um, I, I like being able to incorporate running into some way that I can talk to him and spend time with him too. And so to me, that is the best of both worlds. And so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to spring for that reason. I got to tell you, Lisa, like listening to you talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, you sound like a living chapters out of our book. Like, and I'm just so, it makes me so happy. I'm like, oh, like we tell people that we tell people that and to have, you know, you, it, that's just part of your, your DNA, it sounds like as a runner. And it, pleases me to to hear that you're um have that approach with so many things like i love your line of uh running isn't going anywhere um, right. and i i think it's so easy to forget that sometimes is our you know like oh i gotta do this i gotta do this because i got a race coming up it's like yeah no you're gonna be okay like sometimes sleeping in or spending that time with your family is the more important thing to do well it's it's true because if if i'm too hard on myself then it becomes stressful. And I, I have been very guilty at times of stressing myself out about a race or about a goal. Mm -hmm. I think having a baby certainly puts um, certain things into perspective. And at the same time, I know, I mean, our, our farm, the animals, my family, that, that does have to come first. And mm -hmm. so if, if running can continue to be just this, this companion, a place for reflection and also a, a way for me to kind of set goals and, and see progress, then that, that is, that's a win for me. And yeah, I don't know where else I was going with that. But <laughs> no, I, that's, that's I, awesome. We do that all the time. <laughs> we, we definitely talk about on the farm too. I mean, things can get stressful with, with the weather, with, with economics, with, um, employee issues, there's, there's so many things that can kind of come up. And I think we, we just come back to that you've, you've got to enjoy the journey, you've got to enjoy where you're at. And even if things seem like they are completely out of control today, tomorrow is going to be a new day. And so when when I'm on the edge of just, you know, really 
having a meltdown, I I think running and farming are kind of good, good, good training for each other to think about, you know what, there's going to be a different day, a different race, a different mile ahead. And you've just got to have faith that as if it, if you keep moving forward, you can, um, you can really get to that next place where, where things are going to look a lot brighter. Lisa, I I think we all need you as an angel on our shoulder, just reminding (laughs) us of all these things. I just, it's just awesome. Um, so, and final question then are, am I going to see you at a twin cities marathon this year? You know, I, I hope so. I have already been thinking what might I do in the fall and with, with fall comes um, corn silage harvest for us, and just things are way busier. Normally, mm-hmm. I tend to do longer races in the spring, um, mm-hmm. so maybe maybe the ten mile at the Twin Cities. Really? I we we will see. I hear that you guys are going to be there, and I would absolutely love to bump into you again. So yeah. I will put yeah. it on my put it on my potential radar. Oh, good, good. Well, I just also love that you that it's so seasonal, the things you do. I mean, so right. many of us, maybe it's like, oh, well, I don't like to train for fall races because it's so hot and humid in the summer or something. But to be like that, your that your workflow is seasonal. It's very right. Um, right. in this in this Internet driven age. It's wonderful that some people are still so in touch with the land. So um, <laughs> so um, thank you so much, Lisa. I really we've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Before we get to our guests from National Public Radio, here's a voice memo from Patty, an air traffic controller supervisor who has a load of great advice for getting in runs. Hi, my name is Patty from Indianapolis. I'm an air traffic control supervisor and I work a rotating schedule. I have Thursday, Friday off with two nights and three days or two nights of swing in two days, depending on what my coworkers and I have going on. I have to say it's all about scheduling in the runs. I plan out each week when I will run. I know that if I don't run before my 7 a.m. shift on Monday, I won't run at all. And I need to run after my 6 a.m. shift, but before I pick up the kids from school on Tuesday or else life will get in the way. When I add to the schedule, there is less chance of something else taking its place. And with no further ado, we want to welcome Tamara Keith on the, to the podcast, the mother of a four-and-a-half-year-old son. Tamara is NPR's White House correspondent and host of the NPR Politics podcast, which is one of uh, my and Adrian's favorite podcasts. Uh, thank you so much oh. for joining us, Tamara. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, and you're... Oh, well, thank you. And you're coming to us from the White House. Yes, I am right. in the basement of the White House. How, how does it look? Can you see the gold curtains from there? Can't, can't see the gold curtains. I am in a, in a small soundproof booth in the basement that sometimes has rodents and critters, but right now seems just fine. Okay, um, so politics, politics, uh, tell us uh, about your running. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I, um, I love to run. I run because if I don't run my head, uh, gets very fuzzy and I get angry. So I have to yes. run. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's a common yes. thing. Um, and sometimes yes. I have to run to figure out what this, you know, what the story I'm working on. I have to run to figure out how to write it or how to, um, or just like what the story should be. Um, so it running is critical to uh, my mental and professional health. Very good. I have a quick question. Yeah. So do you go from your little room in the basement and change clothes real quick and then run from the White House? Or do you 
go home first? Yeah. So yesterday, I, for the first time in like years, put on my little running shoes and went for a run right out, right out of the White House, which was lovely. Oh my gosh! Um, and amazing because <laughs> oh the weather—it's like spring right now, which I don't understand, um, and neither do the trees. But it's it's right. very warm. Uh, and so I went for a run around uh, the Tidal Basin and the mall, and it was gorgeous. Now, I don't always do that. I, you know, my, things have been weird. I was covering a campaign for almost two years, and so I really right. haven't spent that much time at the White House until the last couple of weeks. Um, so my new plan is to bring some running shoes, leave them under the desk, um, and try to do this more often because it was amazing. But then, like, how do you, like, do you, like, like give a nod to the Secret Service and be like, hey, guys, I'll be back in 45 minutes? Yeah, well, like, I've got a badge. So, like, basically, okay. I have to run with my badge because I couldn't get back in without the badge. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a very important badge. <laughs> I know. So do you, do you wear it? Does it flap around your neck while you're running? Like, we need to know the logistics okay, so of all this. My tights, most of my tights, running tights, have, like, a pocket. Um, you know, okay. like those side pockets that are supposed to be for your phone, right. presumably, but it's yeah. it's perfectly sized for a press pass. Oh my gosh, we love Saucony Bullet Capris, and they have yes, really big the um, pockets. <laughs> they have pockets on the thighs. Yes, and so so very nice, very nice. Okay, a new use for them, so it's not just for iPhones and uh, you know hotel room keys and things like it's that. It's for badges and lanyards. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I just figured I could get uh, an apple from the hotel breakfast buffet in those pockets too. So that <laughs> oh my was. Gosh. That was pretty exciting. <laughs> um, okay, so so Tam, as I know your coworkers call you, uh, yes. uh, I've been I've been wanting to have you on the podcast since last summer when you mentioned on the NPR Politics podcast that you run, and you were covering the Hillary Clinton campaign during the presidential election. And I mean, talk about your waking hours not being your own. How were you ever able to plan your workouts, or was it just like you'd do it on the fly, like you'd land in? Des Moines and just head out. It was sort of catch as catch can. Uh, when mm -hmm. I was traveling with the Clinton campaign, she came home a lot. So she mm -hmm. would go uh, to her house in Chappaqua and the press mm -hmm. all would stay at um, a hotel in White Plains, New York. Mm -hmm. And there is a pretty lovely trail in White Plains and so, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess there's trails everywhere, but it's like a, a trail that runs along the freeway, but it's wooded and there were bridge, there were tunnels with cool graffiti. And so <laughs> I, I, I would just get up and go running. Um, the, the one nice thing about her campaign is that she tended not to start too, too early. So, okay. you know, I could get a good solid five hours of sleep, which sounds terrible, <laughs> oh uh, and still be able to go for a run. Um, uh -huh. So generally speaking, I I don't know. I felt like on the days that I could bring myself to get up and go for a run, I was happier for it. Um, mm -hmm. But right. it was hard when you're right. when you're filing until two in the morning. It's really really hard to set the alarm for seven. Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. right. But I never regretted other... it when I did. Oh right. yeah, it's the Were it's the runs reporters? you don't take that you regret. Yeah. 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 Were there other reporters in, in your group who would who also ran or were you kind of solo? 
I always ran solo, which I know is not the safest choice I've ever made. Um, but, but I know that there are other reporters who run or there were other reporters in the group who were runners and we would sort of compare our runs sometimes. But like actually coordinating exactly when we would go is really hard. Right. Because, you know, you're also like in the middle of a run pausing to forward a tweet onto your boss to to like say, hey, maybe we should be covering this or you. I mean, you're not ever really off ever. Mm-hmm. So you right. get a lot of alerts then on your phone when you're running. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's such a drag because oh, drives me crazy. Our um, our library out here, when you get a book in, like you can put books on hold. And then when it so when it comes in, it sends you a text that's so you can have it turned off i swear it only texts me when i'm on run so i like <laughs> stop thinking it's my family i'm like oh who cares if that graphic novel's in like i got places to be <laughs> silly library so yeah i know so your alerts are a little more important than mine are so <laughs> only sometimes are they more important <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um so when but when we when you were out on the road, truly not not near the White Plains Airport, were you uh, going? Would you set out on runs in the towns you were in, or did you mainly stick to the hotel treadmill, or how'd you work that? I am not a treadmill person. Um, I okay. I find treadmills to be excruciating. Um, so mm-hmm. I tried running in town whenever I could. Uh, you know, Des Moines has a lovely lake. Um, Mm -hmm. that you can run to from downtown Des Moines. Um, I recommend it highly. Uh, Columbus, Ohio also has a really lovely lake. I mean, I like in in swing states, I know some good runs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, um, so did, but also, so all the travel, all the crazy hours, did it totally like wreck your nutrition to be traveling around? I mean, were you eating a lot of, uh, you know, fried butter and and pizza and and all those things you hear about on the campaign trail? Yes. Well, my, my weakness is candy, which is, Mm -hmm. um, like, like Sour Patch Kids, those Mm -hmm. in that genre of candy. Um, and the, the problem is that it's really easy to just like grab a bag and then eat the whole thing and, and then regret it or not. I mean, like, (laughs) you know, I have no regrets about the Sour Patch Kids I ate on election night. Um, I needed every single one of them. It was a long night, Uh but, but yes, I gained weight on the campaign in answer to your question. It was not good. (laughs) And around Labor Day, I realized like, oh, this campaign is almost over, and I'm going to be a disaster when it's done if I don't make some changes. So right. I actually stopped eating dairy um, oh. uh, around Labor Day, and which made it, which was really impossible. Like on the campaign plane, <laughs> they'll be like, "Here are your options." They all have cheese, and I'll be like, "Oh, great! Right. You have crackers <laughs> without dairy in them." Uh, but. <laughs> It, I, I became a terrible pain in the butt, but I felt better. Um, uh-huh. And I also started doing a plank every day, a 90-second plank every day, because I read something in Runner's World or something about it. Um, yeah. And, and like, if I – just those two things, I by the time the campaign was over, I actually felt better than I did, you know, in the summer of last year. Oh, well, good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oddly enough. So – since you um, knew that 2016 was going to be a pretty hectic year, did you plan any racing races or was just trying to get the miles in enough? Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to survive. 
Um, right. So <laughs> we all were really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, at the end of the campaign, every campaign cycle, NPR like makes a commemorative something or other, like a mug or a tote bag or something for the reporters. And huh. this year was a pint glass that said, I survived 2016. <laughs> they, right. they printed those up right. well before the election. We survived 2016. Um, yeah. But I did. There's one race that I do every year, uh, which is the Capital Challenge. So mm-hmm. even if I'm in terrible shape, it's only three miles. It is not a 5K. Oh, it is yeah. actually three miles. Um, <laughs> but I but I race it all out. Um, and there are it's like a race that members of Congress and judges and and media people do. It's kind of a weird thing where, you know, you're running along and there's Chuck Grassley. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, just a second, Chuck. I just have one question. Just yeah. one question. Yeah. Right. Right. He. He. They don't. I. You know. There. There. There's like. You know. A decorum. You just don't. You just don't do it right. when. When you're disgusting and they're disgusting, you don't do it. Don't ask the questions. Okay. <laughs> a kid who lives. Um, a, a kid who grew up across the street from us. He works for uh, one of our uh, congressional members, and uh, I'm convinced he got his job because he's a very, very fast runner. And yes. I guess they. A lot, a lot of they put together teams. Right. Yes. For some oh, of these races. Yes. No, yeah. there it's a team race. So, I, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some members of Congress who you look at their team and you're like, wow, maybe they were planning. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I mean, he's a, he's right. a very, yeah. very bright guy, but he's also a very fast collegiate ex-collegiate runner. And I'm like, yeah, Paul, I think that might have helped you get that job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything you can do. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so now that you're kind of in one place, has your your running schedule normalized or and how do you make time for running? Yeah, so I try to run in the morning and I try to leave to run before my son wakes up because if I don't, um he might want to come along and he's gotten mm-hmm. very heavy in the jog stroller. I mean, you know, he's four and a half. Um uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, um my I am most likely to be able to run if I do it in the morning. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a good week if I get in two weekday runs. Um, but I'm trying to add runs in the afternoon leaving from work or something like that. But it's it's really hard. Um, I'm, I'm now training for the Cherry Blossom 10-miler, right. uh, which is a really lovely race, though I'm a little concerned that the Cherry Blossoms might bloom this week. Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's a, not really, but there were buds. It's so warm. Um, oh, no. But so I'm training for that. So I'm trying to increase my weekend runs. And I have a neighbor who I who I run with who's terrific. So um, it's great to have a running buddy who's like a block away. Nice, nice. And she's able to go with you on morning runs or do you just get together on weekends? Uh, we some we can sometimes do morning runs. And then the good thing about that is that I feel more comfortable going in the dark if I'm with her. Mm-hmm. Right. And we mm-hmm. do wear right. lights. I have a light. Oh. I promise. Oh, good. Oh, good. good. So we don't have, to, don't have to give you the PSA you on that one. No, yeah. I've heard the PSA. I wear my light. <laughs> Wait a minute. So are you telling me, do you, I, I just have to ask for, do you listen to, you don't listen to our podcast all the time. Not all right? the time, but off and on. I mean, I, I've been, oh. I've been sort of following you guys for a long time. Like, oh my definitely gosh. before. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I am so thrilled. Oh my gosh! I'm just I'm I'm over plotting. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a mother runner. Come on. Yeah. Well, nice, nice, nice. Well, I'm I'm honored. Thank you very much. Um, so um, so any tips for fitting in workouts while on the road? Since you've did your fair share of traveling over the past two years. 
I always like to ask locals where the good run is because, like, every town has that lake or that trail where everyone runs, and you just don't know it if you're parachuting in. And so, right. you know, I. I, I at one point tweeted and was like, anybody in Manchester, New Hampshire, have a good route for me? And <laughs> and I got responses and they and and there they helped me find the trail, you know, the trail in town. Um, so right. <laughs> so like definitely, you know, look for local advice on where to run, because finding a really great run makes you more motivated to do it. Um, Definitely. And I guess, you know, the other thing, and I don't always keep my own advice, but like you really do never regret running. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, find a way to schedule the start of the day at nine instead of eight or just mm-hmm. do something um, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We actually, there's this um, new app that I found. It's called Fast Zach, Z-A-C-H. And hmm. um, it helps you, helps you find routes in cities wherever you are. And like you can say you want to go past sounds like you like lakes so you could say that you want to go past some bodies of water or or like monuments or you know something yeah yeah yeah. that's cool maybe check yes yes so okay so last question and the most important one um when vocalness goes on tour will (laughs) will will y'all be bringing along your personal trainer so that you can stay in shape (laughs) (laughs) excellent idea excellent idea when vocalness does go on tour several of us go on runs though never together oh and oh you didn't wait so so you and danielle and yeah and 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 sam sanders who is sadly leaving us he's a runner too so we did a show in chicago and i was out running and and then i passed sam and i'm like hey sam there you are (laughs) and then i was like actually i would like to go back into my zone i will see you later Oh no! So you guys don't don't run together because you sent that one picture and you all are doing a I you were doing a plank at least with Asma Khalid and two other people that I didn't know who they were. Yeah, but. Scott Detro and Elsa Chang. Um, okay. That I, that I Sam would not participate in my plank. That was the first inaugural <laughs> plank of the nice. uh, NPR Politics right? Squad. Uh, no one has done one with me since. Sadly. Oh no! <laughs> I think you need to get the White House press corps in on it. So. Yes, that's right. next. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You can be the trendsetter there. Well, thank you so much. I know uh, you have a very busy schedule, Tamara. So thanks for taking time to talk to us. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Before we get to our final guest, here's a snippet from Joe, a police officer for the federal government in Arizona who is a strong motivator for running. She needs, quote, to stay in peak physical condition for her job. Hello, Bammers. My name is Joe, and I'm coming from northern Arizona, where I serve as a police officer with the federal government. Uh, I absolutely love my job, but frequently work non-traditional hours that include night shift and lots of overtime. Uh, With my job, there's never a dull moment, and like many, I wouldn't have gotten into this job if I wasn't prepared for the non-traditional hours. Um, Being a police officer, I have to be in peak physical condition at all times, so I'm a little bit more motivated to work out and run, um, even when the perfect conditions don't exist in terms of weather, daylight, and 
maybe my level of tiredness. I will admit I am that crazy lady that you might see out running at three or four in the morning. Um, running has also been a great mental balance to cope with all the stresses of the job and their regular hours. So even though my life and job might be crazy, running is the foundation and my release valve. So thanks, Mammers, and have a great weekend. Okay, last but not least, Tracy Carroll is a mother runner of two. She's a nurse on the night shift at Mass General Hospital in Boston in the emergency room. Thanks for waking up to talk to us. Good, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day it may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I should also say that um, due to some um, confounding technical difficulties, it's just me now uh, interviewing Tracy, folks. So um, Adrian is out doing her interval workout as Tracy and I talk. So, um, so okay, so Tracy, you worked last night and you're working again tonight, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. What's your, what's your usual work schedule? Uh, I work 7 p.m. till 7 a.m. three days a week, Uh, generally Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, which is Mm -hmm. always a fun time of uh, the week. Tuesdays are crazy, and Fridays are always very interesting in an emergency department. I bet, yeah. Yeah, those are those are the times that I think really, John. Do you need? Do you really need to go to the emergency room? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was it was conveniently very quiet during the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. So, uh, describe yourself as a runner. Uh, you ran Boston last spring, right? I did. I ran uh, Boston 2016 for a charity team, actually through my emergency department. Um, we oh, are awesome. very fortunate to have bibs through John Hancock, and uh, it was one of those. Well. Let's throw my hat in the uh, the bucket there and see if I get a, a bib, and I did. So there it went. But uh, I am a person who can continue on my mileage. I am not Boston qualifying or anything like that. But boy, that was one heck of an experience, and I was so thankful to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. It was a little hot in the first half. Um, it was it was very hot, and the headwind the entire time was very frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to give up at mile fifteen and call my husband to just come pick me up, but oh, then no, I realized. Yeah all the people that were following me on that tracker. And I was like, no, you got to keep moving. Everyone's watching. <laughs> right. I'm a blinking dot on too many people's screen to just right? hop in a car. <laughs> yeah. Especially with all the people that supported me for fundraising. It was definitely highly motivating to keep going during all of that. It was tough. It was, it was, uh, I tell people, I thought it was harder than childbirth, to be honest with you. Um, it was quite the mental game. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 See, I found that, that headwind was welcome because it brought in cooler temperatures off the ocean for the it, second half of the race. Yeah, it definitely did. But at some points, I wanted it to just stop for like five minutes, just not be in my face, just for five minutes and then continue on. So That's the way wind is, though. It's like, please, yeah. I just need a break. I just need just, it to not be windy for just a couple minutes. That's just all I ask. Just a couple ask. minutes. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. but it was great. But it was definitely hotter than I had anticipated. I dressed mm-hmm. appropriately and thankfully hydrated well during the course because I actually felt fine afterwards. So I was oh. shocked. So <laughs> that worked out well. I had little people in the back of my head. Okay, take a sip take a sip so it was good nice oh my goodness so I love that you use the hashtag work all night run all day on social media and you sent us a photo of you and a bunch of gals wearing tank tops with that phrase on it so what's the story behind that phrase and those women in the picture so um, I've really only been running continuously, I would say, since the birth of my first daughter. Um, mm. I kind of looked in the mirror around eight months and said, oh, my gosh, I need an outlet, and then just started running. Um, uh, and uh, I would try to squeeze the time in whenever I can. And as I was able to run um, 
a little bit more distance and not needing as much time, I started doing it after work. And then I just started recruiting people to run with me. Um, So we had this little group that's in that picture. Um, Mm -hmm. We all trained for um, a five miler or a half marathon, um, the Boston's Run to Remember. And uh, so every time we would go out, we'd take a run fee or a selfie or whatever. And Uh I just started using that hashtag work all night, run all day because we all worked night shift. Um, And so we would leave at work in the morning at seven and gear up and go out for a run in the middle of the winter. And uh, it just continued. I used it when I was training because there were so many times just to get my time in, I would run after work and I still do that. So, oh my gosh, I just, I just uh, can't imagine it. And in in an email you wrote that working as a nurse in the ER is one crazy job. And there are some times I'm too tired to run after work, but slog out there anyways. And often they miraculously become some of my best runs. So yeah, yeah, talk about that and just, and describe one of those runs or two that kind of, uh, you know, you were able to rally even though you're bone tired. Yeah, I actually distinctly remember a seven-mile training run I had to do. So it was very beginning in the in training for the marathon, and mm-hmm. it was just one. I I would love to wear a Fitbit. I need to get one or something that tracks my pace around work because I probably mm. walk ten miles at work. But just curiosity. Wow. But um, yeah. it's just busy, constant on your feet. Don't sit down. Sometimes you don't get to fuel properly before your run, so it's kind of the last thing you really want to do. Um, but uh, I remember seven miles. All right, get yourself going, and I went out there and I had just blasted it. It was great. It was like perfect weather, overcast, like 50s. And I just got into Mm -hmm. that groove and I finished that seven miles with the biggest smile on my face. And I was like, wow, I'm so glad I didn't give up and not go. So it was really a great run. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I have to say until I started talking to the various guests on this podcast, it didn't occur to me how nutrition really plays a part, like fueling for the run. If you're working for 24 hours beforehand, you know, it's not like you're sit- just sitting there and able to control everything that you can eat before a run. I mean, how do you how do you manage that? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. Um, I definitely try to um, make sure around five, I get a snack in of some sort, five in the morning. So if um, I can, it's not always the case, but I try to, you know, grab something with some good protein because then at least it's a couple hours to kind of get in the system, digest a bit. And then I find that actually helps me. And then always try to make sure I pick up a little bit of water before then. So, mm-hmm. um, but there, I mean, depending on what I'm doing or who I'm taking care of, that doesn't even possibly come into my mind. And the next thing you know, I'm heading out going, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> right. That's. I mean, your time is just so just not your own at all. I mean, no, no. Um, you know, I envision George Clooney at your side, you know, <laughs> working in the <laughs> <Right>? ER. <laughs> yeah. If only they were all that handsome. <laughs> right. Exactly. We'd all be ER nurses then. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So, but. um, so as a desk jockey, I sometimes think about how incredibly rough it must be to be on your feet for so long, you know, that I get, to, if I run after work, I've been sitting all day. So it feels good to be standing up. Um, you know, how do you ensure that standing doesn't sabotage your running? Um, that's a really good question. You know, I don't really know anything different to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So I guess I, I don't know. So I find it almost harder when I have to wake up after, um, sleeping at night and going to run oh. to get my body moving. So, <laughs> um, I think at this point where my life is so minimal sleep, minimal, you know, time to myself, I just kind of do better on the go. So mm-hmm. it's probably not optimal in all of those nice specialists that are in nutrition and training and sleeping and how to best serve your body are thinking, oh gosh, this girl's <laughs> doesn't know what she's doing. But I think I've trained my body just to kind of go with it and, and actually they, it does better on, 
not not as much sleep and being on my feet. So, <laughs> but do you save your long runs for say Sunday when you haven't worked since Friday? Um, the longest run post work I did was eleven miles, um, mm. and I found that was really tough. And pretty much after that, I said, okay, you really need to not do anything further um, after work. And I think mm. that was a smart decision I made during that that training program. Um, uh, so I think, and right now I'm, I don't really have anything that I'm particularly training for. So mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to just do whatever mileage I'd like to do. So, but, um, but yeah, I think 11 miles was the top that I did after work and that was more than enough. I think your body definitely needs the sleep beforehand and the proper fuel as best as you can for those long distances. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. So any other tips for wannabe marathoners who are juggling a physically demanding, stressful job and needing to rack up those double digit runs? Just try it. Go for it. See what happens. <laughs> that was kind of what happened. I just, uh, one of the other things during my training was my motto was, it's going to be great. And that was, I still think of that of a lot of situations in life. But, you know, it, even if it you think it's going to stink or you're not sure you're going to get it all in or how it's going to happen, just say, it's going to be great and just go for it. So I love that. I love yeah. that. And that is the note we are going to end this interview on. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Tracy. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate the time. It was great speaking with you. Alas, we can't get to all the voice memos, but this last one is from Marie, who works in an emergency room in Salt Lake City. I'll admit, I love her nice shout out to AMR at the end. Hi, my name is Marie, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I am 38 years old, a wife and mother to a six-year-old daughter. I work non-traditional hours in my local hospital's emergency room three nights a week from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. In regards to exercise with these non-traditional hours, um, kind of as a general rule for myself as I don't exercise on days after a night shift, especially if I have another shift that next day um, or several in a row, it just gets to be too tiring and um, draining on me emotionally and physically. Um, If I do get adequate sleep and I um, don't have another shift, I might get up and do a nice walk or an easy run um, just to kind of get my blood flowing and body moving a little bit. Otherwise, on the other four days a week that I don't work, um, I'm definitely up and at the gym with some um, strength and cardio, or I'm just hitting the uh, streets around my neighborhood and the trails just to kind of get in some miles. Um, so generally, every on those days that I'm exercising, um, I'm getting three to five-ish miles um, in, plus some strength training. I do do one long run a week. Right now, I'm built up to seven miles. Um, my goals this year is to get a couple of half marathons under my belt. So I've got some 5Ks and 10Ks and a 10-miler on my docket to kind of build me up towards those half marathon um goals and races that are coming in late summer and early fall. Thanks for this podcast. I really enjoy it. I love um, connecting with other moms and other runners um, on your site and on Facebook, and it's been a real encouragement. Thanks. And I'm going to kick it over to Dimity in the Train Like a Mother Club. Hello, hello, it's Dimity, long overdue Train Like a Mother Club corner. It is February, and I figured since Puxatawney Phil could stick his little whiskered face out of the ground, I could, you know, make a return and stick my (laughs) 
my whiskered face. Um, it is a little whiskered. It's been a while since I've seen my esthetician for a little waxing. Um, out of my uh, out of my basement and say hello. The um, Train Like a Mother Club Corner today is coming from the Simply Nourish Like a Mother program, which is our first nutrition program, and it is from a mother runner named Elizabeth. It has been two weeks, and I seriously feel like everything is different. My mood, my sleep habits, my energy. My running spunkiness took a hit this week, but I blame my allergy pills for that one. Tonight, I came home not hangry, put the pizza in the oven. I did not grab a beer or a snack. I did not snap at the kids. I ate a salad. I did not scarf down pieces of pizza, but ate a measured amount, plus some stuffed mushrooms, planned and made microwave s'mores with the kids, and I do not have secret plans for later carb binging. I do not recognize this me, but I'm sure happy to support her. And I just about... um, I love that um, for so many reasons, mostly like I don't recognize this me, but I'm happy to support her to come home, not be so hungry or so tired that you are yelling at your kids, eating all the things. Um, You can control yourself around the microwave s'mores. Um, Simply Nourish Like a Mother, we've said it's it's not a weight loss program. That's not how we are marketing it or that's not the point of it, Um, but it is a way to think about food in a different way a way that you probably haven't ever thought about it before. And it's based on what your body, your biological needs of your body, and then the macronutrients that um, you need at specific times. And that sounds pretty sterile, but I promise it's not. And I promise it's super liberating. And that's kind of what the refrain has been through this whole program is how freeing it is not to think about calories or points or you know, what you can eat and what's off limits and what recipe you have to have for breakfast. None of that. It is really about rewiring your brain and giving you a bunch of little tips and ideas and ways to think about food to nourish you, not for these five weeks of the program, but for a lifetime. Um, And I say five weeks, but this first group was actually our little... There are little lab rats, our simply nourished lab rats. And um, based on their feedback, we realized that we probably needed to bump it up a week. So it's now going to be six weeks long. And I'm talking about it because registration is opening on February 13th, which is Monday. The next round, a six week program, will be open for registration on Monday morning. Um, it's going to be $240. We had to bump up the price from $200 when we added a week. And we are going to take 35 women in it. Um, We want to keep the program small enough that um, people can really feel like it's a a high-touch, very um, helpful program, but have enough group momentum that, you know, if some people are not wanting to chime up on Facebook or whatever, we'll still have some good conversations about our vegetables and macronutrients. So anyway, so you can sign up at uh, trainlikeamother.club. And um, thanks a lot, and I'll see you next week. If you're listening to this podcast the weekend it's released, please know there is still time to place Valentine's Day orders from the Mother Runner store. Forget roses that wilt or boxes of gooey chocolates. The women runners in your life want what we've got. Like a stylish tech tee that has a heart on the front with the word run on it, or the same artist created heart on a running visor. Or maybe a berry colored motivational wrap bracelet with a tag on it that reminds her or you to stay strong. Medical professionals might like the cute hot pink lifestyle tee that says run for your life with the representation of an EKG on it. All these gifts and more are available at motherrunnerstore.com. 
I'm the shop gal who sends out all the orders from this very same room where I'm recording this podcast. So I can assure you that orders are sent out within 24 hours and usually within just a few hours. So head on over to motherrunnerstore.com to shop for your loved ones or yourself. No matter when your schedule allows you to get in your run, many happy miles. Happy miles.